Psalm 51, verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. And it's something that he will never, ever take lightly. And when we think of uh, Mary and how she had saved up, and that was a year's wages, that was something that she was possibly, and who knows when, but she was treasuring it up like most would to take care of possibly the present and maybe even the future. And uh, so she was saving that up. And she was in one sense saving it up for herself. But then, and, and it's brought out clearly too in the original languages that she was sensing what he was going to go through. Because she was so uh, used to sitting at his feet and receiving from him. And of course she, she was in the position of where God wants us to be, in the position of constantly receiving his life, because that's our life. And so she was always in, in that position. And notice that she was sitting at Jesus' feet. She wasn't standing, there was no effort. Her faith was resting in him. And we said again recently that there is no rest for us until we rest in him. And what that can cause people to do, Christians too, by simply not resting in him. Because truthfully, a lack of trust, and when we have a lack of trust, it's, it's because we trust in unbelief and ourself more than him. And we can all do that but at times, but that's what uh, she did. She saved that up. And she was doing it unto Christ because she was sensing what he was headed for. And for a, quite a time in the garden, Luke 22:44, he sweat great drops of blood. And then, of course, on the cross, all that was poured out on him. Really, the Father's wrath. And that's why he would say in Matthew 27:46, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So all of this was the cup that um, he said in John 20, verse 18, that was, he was to drink. And she was sensing that. She was sensing that there was incredible doom, darkness, and danger that was going to come upon him. She was so one with him. And she was in, in a constant place of constantly and continuously receiving his love for her. And in that love for her, he was giving himself constantly. And that's what he desires for us to do. That's why he says, draw near. James 4 eight, draw near to God, and the result will be that he'll draw near to you. And, of course, he wants us to draw near because he wants to way more than give us things. He wants to give us himself because that's what we rested. We, the only place that we can rest in is where God the Father himself rests, and he rests in his Son. Uh, Zephaniah 3, uh, verse 17, it says that he rests in his love. That's what Mary was doing. 
And when we rest in his love, it gives us the opportunity to live in self-forgetfulness and think more of him. And that's when he can pour more of who he is into the empty place where there's self-forgetfulness. There's a lot of counsel, there's a lot of teaching that will put the emphasis on you. This happened because of this, or this happened because of that. The reality is, is that the emphasis is always Jesus Christ. And thank God that every single one of us, the moment we receive Christ as our Savior, our past, the forever past was eliminated. And Christ is now our life. The old in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17, is, is already passed away. All the old is passed away. And God forbid that we should sin in Romans 6, 1 and Romans 6, 15. Of course, God forbid that we should sin. In other words, that we should live in self-will against God's will. God forbid that we should do that. But when we do, He wants us to draw near. He wants us to run to him and find refuge and uh, find refuge from the judgment that those sins could bring to us when we don't go to the one who dealt with them. So when we don't go to him in our minds by faith, trusting in what he's dealt with, then someone's going to have to do something about what happened to me. Either it's going to be me or it's going to be someone else. So Mary is sensing that he's going to this cross and all the blame is going to be put on him. <laughs> you imagine. Think of what we blame one another for. <laughs> well, when, we, when you study in Leviticus, the 16th chapter, the truth about the two goats and how all the blame was put on that one goat and it was killed. And then the other was confessed over and set free. And all of our guilt and all of our guilt was dealt with by Jesus Christ. So Mary is very sensitive and knowing and sensing his soul is troubled. He is human. His, his, he, is, he, was, he was God, no doubt, truly God, very God, but he was human. He had perfect humanity, but he was troubled. His trouble was not the fact of not paying for the sins. He knew that because he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth in Revelation 13, verse 8. The trouble was in his humanity to be separated from his father. And that's what he, his prayer was. The prayer was, is there a way that I could deal with these sins, the sin problem, propitiation, and then the sins problem through becoming the substitute, thereby reconciling all those that would receive him as a substitute. Could I do all of this 
without being separated from you. And of course, in his humanity, and of course, that 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 couldn't happen. And so that's why he would cry out. So all of this was on him. And Mary's sensing that. She, she was very, very sensitive. And women, they tend to be a little more sensitive. Seriously, they do to God. They really do than men. Even when Lazarus died, you know, Jesus comes back four days later or something. Martha goes running out. If you had only been here, you could have saved my brother. Right. And, and he you, goes, yeah. where's Mary? Send well, for her. And even Mary, Mary comes yeah. and she goes, I know what, if you had been here, you could have done yeah. something. But even her, she wouldn't come out. She was in the house. She was in the she house, but she had to wait. She was in the house. She was a little disturbed. Have you and I ever been disturbed at God? Well, a couple things. Of course we have been. And in a sense, we won't come out. But where's our rest? And where is the only place we can rest? It's in Him. But she's in the house. And not till she heard, even through another, her name can't deny that. She couldn't deny it. So then she came out. And that's when she said, if you had only been here. But what he wanted to teach her was this, that no matter where he was, he was always with her. And just as much with her as he was with Lazarus. And obviously he knew what he was going to do. And he just wanted them, Mary and Martha, Martha, and all those others like us to trust him, uh, to, to absolutely trust him, uh, to walk by faith, which is, means absolute and total dependence upon Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done. Trust in him with all of our heart. And when we do, we don't lean to what? Our own understanding, that's the if. If you had only been here. I know you could have done it. And a lot of times we want things done in our time, in our way. And God has to teach us and prepare us because he has to take out of us all that that would not receive what he's already done for us. He has to bring us to the end of ourselves. That's what he had to do to, to Martha and Mary. He doesn't want us to live in ifs. He wants us to live in who he is. And when we can rest in him, then we have peace. Quietness in Isaiah 30 verse 15 and confidence will be your strength. Isaiah 32, verse 17. The work of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness, what? Quietness and what? Assurance forever. What's one thing that we want more than anything? When we want it, now we want it. It's assurance. Mary senses that's what he's going to do. He's going. Going to go to the cross and all of that is going to be poured on him. All the wrath of God in John 3, verse 36, is going to be poured on him. And she senses his soul being troubled. 
Did the other disciples? No. So what she had stored up for her, for her possible future, when she sensed his great need, what it, and, and when she put him before her own need, and that alabaster box was broken, everyone got the benefit of, that, of what came out of that. And that's the same thing for us. When we trust him by faith, and believe me, we have to walk by faith, absolute, total dependence upon God, and not by feelings, not by sight. Because sight, sight, and even that un the, the understanding of sight will always bring an if. And that if causes a separation from in us from experiencing the true love and confidence that we truly have in Him. Uh, and to know, in Ephesians 3.19, to know the love of God, to know the love of Christ, what does it do? It passes knowledge. You know what that means? It passes every if and every but. We won't live in buts and we won't live in ifs if that love of God truly it passes knowledge. And then what does that lead to in Ephesians 3 verse 20? Now unto him who is able. Are we able? No. Are we able for anything? Do we even think we're able for one thing? Seriously, do we? Now unto him who is able to do what? Exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Think about that. And so she breaks this box. And that's when we think of him, when we receive his life, what does it do? It brings in a brokenness in us. And in that sense, that brokenness, what happens when we live in, in the brokenness of him, what he's accomplished, who he is, who he is in us, who we are in him, there's an unbelievable release. And then confidence, assurance begins to flow again. Then intimacy is there. There's a confidence. Hebrews 10 verse 35, cast not away, therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Because really, sooner or later, you, God will bring about the promise. They're all fulfilled in him in 2 Corinthians 1.20. They are all fulfilled in him. They are yea and amen. Yes and settled forever. They, that's what they are in him. And that's what he was going to, to the cross to accomplish. That's why she took that, that alabaster box. And that brokenness released a beautiful, beautiful, unbelievable odor, not only to Christ, first and foremost, but to everybody in the room. Of course, except one little guy. <laughs> and I mean, he's, 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 he's witnessing all this. He got the smell on it, and he's still... No, the, the smell, smell of money, money meant more. <laughs> 
Seriously, can you imagine 30 pieces of silver? 30 pieces of silver. He sold the Lord out for 30 pieces of silver. Of course, it was prophesied. No question about it. It was prophesied, but you think of it, 30 pieces. What is this? What was his worth? 30 pieces of silver. You have three, the Trinity, God and one. What was it worth to him? Zero. It was worth nothing to him. And of course, Mary, who's a picture of every single one of us in our unbelievable need, going to the place where all need can be met. And by the way, the only one that can meet our need, all of it, is Jesus Christ. Not another person, not another thing. It's not. My God in Philippians 4, verse 19, will supply all your need according to his riches and glory in and by Christ Jesus. So who meets it all? It's only one. Again, that's why in Psalm 107, verse 20, do we need to be healed? Is there anything destructive? Well, he sent his word. And he healed them. And he delivered them from all their destructions. You know what? He sends his word to deliver us even from anything potential. Doesn't have to be after. <laughs> he sends his word in the love and in the potential of his love for us. I mean, he, he wants to love us by delivering us constantly. And even ahead of things. And that's why we said even again, when Christ intercedes in Romans 8, verse 34, and in Hebrews 7, verse 25, and Hebrews 9, verse 24, he ever lives to make intercession. He intercedes for us even before we sin. Because he knows our frame. In Psalm 103, verse 14, he knows it's dust because he was the one in his pre-incarnate state who formed Adam in Genesis 2, verse 7, out of the dust of the ground. And he breathed into him, and the first man became a living soul. And that's all we can be is a living soul. You know what a living soul is? That it's very self-conscious. It's, it's all about self. And I know, I'm probably like you, I never lived in that this week at all. If you don't believe me, you can just ask Jean. She'll tell you. If she tells you the truth, they might be in trouble. Self-consciousness. But Jesus, in John 20, 21 and 22, after he went to the cross and he was resurrected and he came back, remember what he did? He breathed a better life into his disciples. That's what happens every time the Holy Spirit takes the things of Christ and shows them unto us. We can, we can receive it, we can inhale it and take in a much better life. The life is ours. The very life is the life of Christ. And he could breathe into him. And, and as a man, resurrected, God and a man, could breathe into us a life that we could not do without. Mary knew 
even in her little place, that there was going to be doom and darkness coming over the one that she loved. And no wonder she was hanging around the sepulchre. <laughs> she was thinking he was the gardener in John the 20th chapter. Those ones just before he breathed that life into those others. And again and again it was she said, where have you laid him? She's thinking he's, he's the gardener. And all he had to do was say her name, Mary. And she knew it was him. And of course she wanted to just hug him grab him in the 17th verse of John 20. want to just hug him. And of course there's teaching out there that'll tell you that Jesus was purified, he was going to the Father so she couldn't touch him. That's not at all what the language is teaching at all in the original languages at all. Because the last time I checked he was her savior. That meant that his life was hers. They had the same life in them. Can you imagine with all of our failures, and they're not ours, thank God, because they became His. But with all of our struggles, and with everything that we go through, we have the very same life that He, that he is. But she just wanted to hug Him and hold Him and keep Him there. <laughs> but He said, no, I have to go now to my Father. Because I have to go there and I have to intercede for you. And I also have to send down the Holy Spirit another comforter so that you can have two comforters one in heaven praying for you and one in you when you don't know how to pray to communicate to me and always be the paraclete the one who would come alongside and comfort you you ever wonder why you think you made it certain days you didn't even think you're going to make it through that hour Oof. you made it through the whole day well the answer is we have two comforters Jesus Christ in heaven interceding for us and the Holy Spirit sent down in John 14, 16 to be the spirit of truth in us and to always console and comfort us with the truth of who is in us and who we're in, Jesus Christ. And to comfort us that our failures are not final. And as a matter of fact, God will include those failures in the performance of his plan. Did you know that? Because the performance is, he's bringing us to the end of ourself. Self-help and self-hope. They're included in the performance of God's plan. But never in the outcome. Ever. <laughs> Ever. So she meets him there. And he says, no. I'm going up. I want you to go tell my disciples. Because you're, you're pretty sensitive you're very sensitive. You know, you know how to receive. And women, a lot of times, can do that a lot easier than men. Not because they're any better, just they're weaker vessels and they, they can receive a lot better. And it's not, and I don't even think it's because they're more emotional. I think men, and I've never had felt this way ever, <laughs> they can be more emotional than women at times. Seriously. But he said, I'm going up, you go here. I want you, you, I want you to go tell my disciples that I go to my father and your father. And thank God we have him.
to go to. We have a Father to go to because it's through Christ. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, there's one mediator between God and men. It's the man, Christ Jesus. And there's no other name in Acts 4 verse 12, whereby men must be saved, must be delivered. And he not only delivered us from an eternal hell, regardless of what some universalists will think, but he continually is available to deliver us with the truth of what he's already done for us so that we don't even have to live in a negative or a bad experience. And when we do, we can simply confess it in 1 John 1, 9 and have IGR, Instant Grace Rebound. That's what I used to teach years ago in, in uh, Florida in the 90s. It was IGR, Instant Grace Rebound, instantly. Grace, rebound. You know those rebounders? Gene has one. Oh, yeah, seriously, it's a nice one, too. And uh, so he told her, you go. And you tell them, I'm going to my father and your father. What was he telling her? We have the same life. I'm one with you. And I'm going to my God and your God. That little... Little lady, boy, I'll tell you. Little did she know that for all time and eternity, that one little act that she did will always, and has always been spoken of. Think about that, that one little act. Did you, do you think that that's why she was doing it? Nope. No. She probably just thought that that was just between her and him. But boy, he... He's broadcasting it for all eternity, what that woman did. Because she knew who he was in her. And even in a small way, and who, who she was in him. And boy, I'll tell you, when you get to that place, when you get to that place, boy, the sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit and a contrite heart. And what does he have to do to bring us to that place where it could be that that brokenness will release us from what's been stored up that shouldn't be and will not only bless us but will bless so many others. Amen? So Lord, we thank you for the truth of a broken alabaster box, the truth of a broken and contrite heart. You won't despise. You won't take lightly. And we're thankful for, for Christ and for the Holy Spirit and for the Word, for the body of Christ and what we have in you. And when our souls, in Psalm 119, 105, or 25, and also 105 too, when our souls cleave to the dust, when our self-consciousness is cleaving to our body, there could be physical pain, there could be mental and emotional pain in the soul. When our soul cleaves to the dust, our prayer can be quicken us, enliven us, show us the life that's ours in Christ. Quicken us according to your word. Enliven us again with the life that's, our, that's ours in Christ. 
because He is, in Colossians 3 verse 4, He is our very life. In Jesus' name, Amen. God, above the Holy Spirit, above fellowship, that's pride. Hope God, Theu or Theos, resist, and the word resist is anti-tassel, the proud, Huprophanos. But he gives what? Myzona, Karim, greater grace to who? The Taipino Frosuni, the humble. That's right. The humbled. So, why does God, ah, you ever feel that way? Why does he always have to humble us? Why? Well, because God's a giver. He gives more grace to the humble. He wants to give us more, much more of his son in our experience. Because remember, the word in John 1.14 became the word who always is, by the way. It's the only way we can really say it. The Word who always is became Eganeo, became flesh, tabernacle. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten, the eternally begotten Son of God. And He was filled up with all grace and truth. And who does God give grace to? The humble. And when He gives me grace when I'm humbled, with the very life of Christ, then I can walk in and experience the truth of who He is and who I am, thereby divorcing me and separating me from any lie or anything that is not of Him. And what is not of Him will not be what I am not in Him. Think about it. Last week when you were hearing about John, how we always listen to Jesus' heartbeat. Mm. In the long run, it ended up affecting his heartbeat. You know what I mean? John's heartbeat was probably altered because he heard Christ's heartbeat. He was receiving. Yeah. And that's what a play... What was he doing? And what does God want us to do? Where's the only place? Seriously... For all of us, boy, am I, and I am literally speaking loud and clear right here, just in case you don't know. Where's the only place we can rest? Okay, where's the only place God the Father rests? He rests in His Son. His Son is the type of the Sabbath. He worked six days, right? Seventh day in Genesis 2-2, what did He do? He rested. The Father resting eternally in the Son. Where's the only place that we can meet God and we can rest? Well, in the only place that God Himself can rest, and that's in Christ. And what was John doing? What was the effort in him when he put his... Okay, when you go lay down in your bed he buys tonight, right? When you lay down and you put your head on your pillow, are you striving? Or are you resting on it completely? What does faith do? 
it rests. And what is faith? It's dependence. We rest in him. So John was laying his head on Jesus' breast. And in rest, and listen, this is good for, again, I'm counseling me right now. You might get the benefit of it, but I am serious. I'm counseling me. Yeah. And when you rest, right, what do you get? You get release and you experience peace. So, when we rest, what do we, what, what do we get? What, what place does it allow us rest? What's the only place, okay, I'll say it like this, the only place that we can receive is the place of rest. That's it. We can't receive, any, we will not receive if we don't rest. And to rest, faith has to have a place to rest. <laughs> In other words, we need an object. Oh, God, this... If we could get this out in council, again, I'm talking, I mean, if I could just learn this, we have to learn in Philippians 4.11, in whatsoever state we're in to be content. There's no contentment without rest, and there's no rest without receiving. So, and you can't receive unless we rest. Oh, boy. And the only place we can do that is Christ. Seriously. It isn't counsel about my past that's going to cause me to rest. It's going to be rest in the one who did away with it. Can you imagine? Think of the time. Think about the time. Boy, I'll tell you. He rests in his love. Zephaniah 3.17 God rests in his love. He rejoices over us with what? Singing. He, what is he doing? He's celebrating. Yeah. What's he doing while we're struggling? You know. What is he doing? He's resting in his love for us through Christ and he's rejoicing and singing over us. And we're like, like some of us, I'm sure we're today. Where are we? I mean, how can we do, in Philippians 2, verse 14, how can we do all things without murmuring and disputing? How? By Philippians 2, 5, letting this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. <laughs> yeah. That life that's ours has a mind that knows how to think in every circumstance, in every situation. And when we think in Christ, we are always promoted above our circumstances and situations. We begin in, in Song of Solomon 4, verse 7. It says, You are all fair, my love. There's no spot in you. Now come up and look from the top. Verse 8 says. And when we think, in Colossians 3, verse 2, set your mind on things above. Look from the top. Don't look from down here and look up. Oh. He's saying, look from the top. This is who you are. You're in this one who's above it all. Yep. Well, it doesn't look it. Yeah, I know. We walk by faith. Not by sight. Right? And when we do that, what do we have? What do we experience? Can we receive if we're not in a place of rest? Why does it say in Psalm 46, verse 10? And look at that whole chapter. Be still. Then what's the result? And know 
that I'm God. In other words, experience God in you through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, and then finally, and then we'll have coffee and wonderful brownies that were handmade by Jean, and then I prayed over. No, don't turn that off yet. And this is true for every one of us. Either Jesus Christ, in the midst of my circumstances and situations, will be my guide. Remember in Psalm 48, verse 14, He will be our guide unto death until we're finally separated to be with Him, by the way, for us. Or our circumstances and situations will be our guide. You can always tell, and if this has never happened to me, I can tell you right now, I don't think so. But you can always tell when a person's circumstances and situations are their guide, because what do they do? They murmur. They dispute. They murmur and dispute. Murmuring is saying things like, not vocalizing them, but they're under your breath almost. I've never done that. Once in a while I do it, but not very often. Uh, or disputings, outright anger and arguing with God. And I'm sure none of us have ever done that. Right? That's because circumstances and situations were our guide. And the reason they were is because we, we trusted in unbelief and not in Him. Oh my God, isn't that awful? Gene, isn't that awful? So that will close this and we'll have coffee and brownies.